0: So today's episode 171 of the Jimmy'sTable.com podcast, I'm going to talk about being single again at 40. It's inspired by recent uh, headlines you've probably heard regarding the NFL superstar quarterback Tom Brady and his recent divorce from Giselle, his supermodel wife. And it got to me to thinking about me and Tom Brady, usually something that I usually don't think about it in the same sentence or train of thought, <laughs> but there are three things that Tom Brady and I finally now have in common, um, in our lives. One, we're both single again after a divorce. Two, we're both in our forties and three, Tom Brady's incredibly good looking and rich. <laughs> if you notice, that's two things that I still have in common with Tom Brady. I'm, I'm working on number three. Uh, (laughs) um, But, uh, you know, thinking about these things has got me to thinking about the challenges that come with being single again Being single again has not necessarily been the easiest transition in the world uh, for me And it's definitely taken some time for me to learn to adjust to my singleness For those of you who've been following the JimmySable.com podcast since episode 118 uh, You know that uh, about a year and a half ago, my ex-wife and I separated And uh, this summer, our divorce finally finalized. Um, So I've had some time to spend some time alone to get uh, used to a new pace of life after eight years of of being married and uh, readjusting and and figuring things out again for myself. And it's not been an easy process. And I don't think it's an easy process for most people. And so uh, today's podcast, I'm hoping that by my sharing of some of the things that I've experienced um, and, and being single again, um, that uh, one, if Tom Brady's listening to this podcast, that maybe he can uh, pick up a thing or two. And I can help Brother Tom as he uh, transitions into uh, the challenges he's surely going to face in his new stage of life. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I just thought I'd share what's going on in my life. Um to hopefully be something you can glean for your own life. Uh, perhaps maybe you're an individual that's hopefully not, but possibly you're facing a divorce situation. You're wondering what it's going to be like being single again. Um, or maybe you've been divorced for some time, um, and you're having and you're really worried uh, that you haven't quite found yourself and that you just don't know what to make of all this. And, and hopefully I can impart some some wisdom in this. Or perhaps you're somebody who actually is listening to this podcast who's actually never been married, um, and maybe for whatever reason, you are 40-ish or above, and uh, you, just, you just never tied the knot. And so you'd like to hear maybe some perspectives of what it means to be single again, um, and maybe you can glean on it from your own life. Either way, I hope that this podcast ends up being helpful to whoever is listening, and if maybe it's not anything helpful or something you can even share with a friend, uh, you may know somebody that's going through a divorce or recently divorced, or recently single, and all that sort of stuff. Maybe you can help them by sharing this podcast with them. But maybe you'll just have a good laugh, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, at my expense. <laughs> uh, and maybe perhaps, if anything, just open your world to a world of understanding of what it's like being single again, because maybe you've been married so long that you've kind of forgotten what it's like. Um, And maybe this can help you empathize with uh, the single people. So let's talk about uh, a number of topics now that have to do with uh, the challenges of being single again. I'd say, first and foremost, it's a big surprise. Being single again? Totally unexpected. Didn't think it would ever happen to me. I thought once I got married... Uh, when I was 31 years old, that I would be married for the rest of my life. And I thought that's how my life was going to play out. And, you know, I thought till death do we part was something that was going to stick. And it didn't, which, you know, came as an awful surprise to me because as I talked about previously, I thought I had a very happy marriage. Um, so when my ex decided she wanted to get a divorce, it was uh, entirely unexpected. So being all of a sudden thrust out to being alone in the world uh, and on your own again, it's a big surprise. And it's it really something that it comes as a shock because n- nowhere in your imagination did you ever imagine this scenario. I mean, you, you knew it was theoretically always a possible scenario, but your mind and your heart uh, was never, ever prepared for this. And I found myself when I was newly separated and going through my divorces, totally unprepared to be single again. Um I, you know, I, I just did not think it was ever going to happen to me. And so it's all come as a big surprise. And and at first it was a very rude surprise, I will say. Like it was like, Who, I don't like this. Um, and I don't like this at all, and I'm not happy. And so I battled grief and I went through some some weird contortions of mind and heart as I attempted to find myself again and, and to to rediscover a new path in life and, and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, what was started off as a very big and unpleasant surprise has, I think, now turned into a situation to where it's a actually a good surprise. Um, through the initial shock, yes, there's there's a very disturbing and tough period a definite time of adjustment that you go through because you're so used to being entangled and coupled with somebody else and and to be together with so long for so long with somebody um you know it's really hard to 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 get a grip on reality and to get a grip on your mind and to even know what you want out of life but i think you eventually reach the point especially if you end up being single long enough and And like I said, I've been uh, single now, you know, I've been separated for about a year and a half and newly divorced as of this summer. So, you know, depending on how you count those things, I would say I've been, you know, single now for almost a year and a half. Um, And what it was like at the beginning was very different than what it's like now. And I think I finally got to the point that even though I do have a strong desire to be in a relationship and a strong desire to eventually get married one day and, you know, hopefully have kids, Lord willing. Um, you know, I've found myself in a situation where I'm actually kind of happy <laughs> uh, with being single again. And what was a very rude surprise, the kind of surprise that nobody likes, has all of a sudden turned into be a big and pleasant surprise. I like who I've become over the last year and a half, and I like the direction that my life is going. And even though, like I said, I hope to get married again one day, even if I don't, I find myself in a good place. I'm happy with where I am. Uh, In this moment in time, it's a good time. And I'm thankful for that, and I'm glad for that, and I rejoice in that. I didn't think I'd ever be here again, yet here I am. And it's a wonderful and delightful surprise. Next point. This is a big opportunity. This is a big opportunity. Being single again represents an opportunity to start over, to take inventory of your life, to see where you've been to see who you are and to ultimately decide where you're gonna go. there's an opportunity now that i that I've been given a fresh start, an opportunity to pursue God again at a level that maybe perhaps I wasn't before, to be the best version of myself to become to realize that maybe perhaps when I was married and 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 coupled together that there was a very real sense in which I lost myself and and there's a very real sense I think when you are married or when you are in a relationship with somebody that you that you somehow you know lose a sense of yourself and and, and in a good way sometimes it's a bad way there's there's definitely a sense you can lose yourself in a very unhealthy codependency sort of way, but there's a very good way you can lose yourself in a marriage and a relationship in which you you have two lives that are slowly blended together and become one and uh, the characteristics of your spouse become your characteristics. And the things they like, you end up liking. And, and the things they don't like, well, you, you, you get used to it. <laughs> you get used to it and just say, well, you know, that's, that's them. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I realize now, though, that in that, that there's a very much real sense in which I was, you know, in the biblical sense, one flesh with, with my, my ex-spouse. Um, and now I find myself no longer one flesh with her. So that that gives me an opportunity, this opportunity to find a new sense of identity, to find a new version of myself, to work on becoming a better person, to invest in myself in ways that I hadn't invested before. That's not to say I wasn't investing in myself in my marriage or that I wasn't investing and making a better life for myself, becoming pursuing God, or any of those things. I don't think I was very negligent in all those things. Um, there are definitely some things that I probably gave up in my marriage that I probably shouldn't have. Um, but, uh, you know, now I find myself with the, the clean slate, an opportunity to start over. So I have an opportunity to pursue God with all my heart, and to make sure that all I do in my life, that it ultimately glorifies Him, uh, to, to exercise more, to be physically fit, to explore... Old hobbies to explore new hobbies to make new relationships to rekindle old friendships uh, to make better financial decisions for my life, too. Or you know, you could do what some people do <laughs> with this big opportunity, and you can completely self destruct. Um, and it should be recognized that the opportunity to completely self destruct after uh, being uh, newly single is definitely there. The old adage of the best way to get over somebody is to get under somebody is something that really, you know, is a, a, an ethic that really exists in our culture. And it's, you know, definitely something that you're going to face as a, as a very realistic temptation. As I've talked about previously on this podcast, there's this opportunity to instead of to to work on becoming whole and healing and bettering your life and, and doing the thing that you need to do to take the next step. You know, there's also this opportunity to completely self-destruct, to wallow in misery and grief and depression and to stay there forever and ever and to to do drugs, to drink crazy amounts of alcohol, to to be financially irresponsible, to not even bathe, to not even get off the couch, to just sit there and watch TV forever and ever and become numb to everything. You have that opportunity for sure, and that will definitely present itself. The devil will make sure you're aware of it. Um but uh, at the end of the day I realized that man being single again I have a big opportunity before me and it's an opportunity that I ultimately don't want to squander because I want to become the type of person that you know can be happy at the surprise that came into my life that was very unexpected I want to be the type of person that I can look at the into the mirror and say I love who you're becoming Um, and I, you know, I, I know as me, as I've talked about on this podcast before in prior episodes, it's like, you know, I am thrilled at the person I've become and am becoming. And in many ways, even though I miss some of the old me and some of the old things that I had as a couple and as being a married person, I'm very happy with who I am now. And I'm more excited about who I am now and who the person I am becoming than the person I was in my marriage. And that's not to say anything negative about, you know, who I was in my marriage. I I think I was a great guy. Um, But uh, the opportunity is here. Carpe diem. I'm seizing the day. And uh, I'm going to forge a new path in life. And I recognize this as an opportunity that I don't want to waste. An opportunity that I have to pursue new and better Things and to pursue things that not only enrich my life, but the life of others. So, my next point, it's got to be said out loud. It's got to be said out loud for all to hear. You aren't defective. You aren't defective. And whether you are single and never married at 40, or you're single again at 40, Whatever the case, and I'm sure Tom Brady has no problem saying this. (laughs) Some of us aren't Tom Brady though, Uh, you know, so I think it may be a little harder to say than, you know, Tom, but uh, just because you're single doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. And I I think this is something we need to especially drive home, not only in our culture, because there's very much a sense in our culture in which, you know, rightly so, that marriage is a celebrated and cherished thing. Um, And it's something that's lauded. I mean, heck, it's something that the gays even wanted to do, right? (laughs) Gay people wanted to get married because marriage is so great. Uh, How do you guys like being married now, huh? No. (laughs) I kid, I kid. uh, Tongue-in-cheek sort of kid. uh, Sort of, maybe, halfway. Um, But, you know, marriage is great. Don't get me wrong. But I think we need to change the way we think about some things, because I believe if you were to study the pages of the New Testament, uh, especially Matthew chapter 22 and 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you'll find that Jesus and the Apostle Paul taught that contrary to, you know, conventional thinking, a, a thinking that has permeated not only our culture today, but even ancient society, is that... The social status of marriage is not the ideal social status for us to live in. And that's not to say marriage isn't great. Marriage is wonderful. Marriage is blessed by God. Marriage was ordained by God. God gave us the gift of marriage. Marriage is a wonderful thing. Marriage is an institution that I hope to one day participate in yet again. However, with that said, if you were to study the pages of the New Testament, singleness is the ideal relational social status according to the teachings of the New Testament. Let me say that again for the people in the back or for the people who just need to, you know, have a little bit of an amen corner in their side of the church. (laughs) Singleness is the ideal social relational status according to the teachings of the New Testament. But in the church, especially in evangelical circles and the circles which I frequent, don't get me wrong, I love a lot of the things we do in the church with marriage. We we need to do all that we can to make marriages stronger, healthier, holier, and better. But I think we've fetishized marriage and made an idol out of it in the church. That and the nuclear family unit where you and a wife and two kids and a dog and, a you know, the American dream. And all that it represents. White picket fence in the suburbs. All that stuff. Don't get me wrong. Those things are great. Those things are good. I hope to have them. But according to the New Testament, singleness is the ideal social relational status according to its teachings. Jesus taught that marriage was not forever when the scribes and Pharisees question him on it and the, the Sadducees questioned him on it and, and trying to trick him in regard to some questions about the resurrection. Jesus talked about in Matthew 22 about how in the, angel, in the ages to come that, that they will not give in marriage and that we'll all be in the resurrection as the angels of heaven. Marriage at the end of the day is a temporary social construct, a gift given by God since the garden no doubt, but it's just a temporary thing. It's going to be here for but a blip of human history when you look at human history in the grand scheme of eternity. In the ages to come, you won't be married. That might be hard for you to accept And Some of you might kind of cheer the idea, yay, I finally get out. (laughs) I get it, I get it, I get it. But at the end of the day, singleness is what we will experience in all of eternity. And the Apostle Paul teaching in 1 Corinthians 7 taught that, you know, each has been given a gift, whether it's singleness or marriage, and that we're to make most of the gift that we have been given, whether it's singleness or marriage. If you're married, you need to work on staying married. But if you're single, Paul taught, you know, maybe you should consider being like I am, he said. He's, he, was, he didn't put it as a binding thing. He didn't say you had to be single. But he held up singleness, the singleness that he had, the singleness that our Lord had, and the singleness that many others had, who ultimately embraced the spirit of being a eunuch for the sake of the kingdom of God, as talked about in Matthew chapter 19. They embraced that mindset. They embraced that eunuch philosophy towards life. And they decided to willfully and deliberately be single. And now some of you may not want to be single. Myself included. But you know what? If you are single or you choose to remain single. And some of you maybe should consider choosing to remain single. I should consider choosing to remain single. It's not something I'm going to do, but I should consider it. (laughs) But you know... Singleness is ultimately the state of us throughout eternity. And as a people who have experienced a foretaste of the kingdom of God, who've, in which the the future age of the, the future age of all eternity will has broken into the present. You know, as individuals who have experienced this kingdom in the present, you know, singleness is an acceptable and perfectly fine social status, and relational status. And it's not only something that we should embrace as a church, but it's something we should celebrate. I think we need more conferences and teachings on being single in the church and not pressuring everybody to become married with kids. Because as great as being married and having kids can be, as wonderful as they are, you know? We need to seriously press people with the idea that God's not necessarily calling all of them to be married. And that they should seriously consider alternatives to marriage. And that includes recognizing that there's nothing wrong with being single. You aren't defective. Being single is a gift from God. And it's something that you should embrace whether it's something you embrace for a short period of your time of your life or it's something you embrace for a long period of your life. Whatever the case, each man must make his own decision and and pray about these things. I'm not going to press it on to say everybody should be single, hurrah. But you know, if you are, it's a good and wonderful and joyous thing. you would do well to consider choosing it next finding new purpose so when I was married I very much embodied the idea that I was married as a core part of my identity I wasn't just a man I was a married man and I wasn't just a married man I'm a husband And as a husband comes the responsibilities and duties of of being a husband and, and doing all the things that are expected in a marriage relationship. And, you know, you start to embody those sort of things and they start to become an overriding sense of who you are and what you're about and very much fuel for your tank and, you know, why you do what you do every single day for a living. You know, I I can't help but, while I was married, to sit there and think about my work. And I worked a lot. I worked very hard. I had, I had, I was already successful in my career before I got married, but I was still very young in my career. And I will say, once I got married, even though I was working hard before I was getting, before I got married, I was Pursuing overtime and bonuses and promotional opportunities before I got married, and I capitalized on some of that. But all the more, once I became married, I was filled with this sense of purpose that, you know, I'm not just working for me anymore, I'm working for we. And so I had this sense of purpose, this work ethic, that's saying, you know, it's not just about taking care of my needs, because I could have very simple needs, like, like my dad says, Jimmy, if it weren't for women, you and I would all live in caves. <laughs> um, and there's very much a real sense of that. You know, if it weren't for women, I would probably live a very different life uh, than the life I lived when I was married. And uh, if I weren't thinking about a woman yet in the future um, in my life, you know, I would probably pursue still very different path than the things uh, I have pursued in, in recent times and plan on pursuing yet in the future. Um, but you know, once I became single again, I was left with this emptiness. I was left with this sense of not having a purpose anymore because everything that I did in my life for the prior eight years had been with a sense of purpose. I'm I'm there to be a husband, uh, to to love somebody, to be a tenant, to take care of somebody, to to be a provider, to work hard, to put food on the table, to. To make sure we have a nice house and nice things and and to make sure my wife feels like she's on a pedestal and and all those sort of things. Those Those were the mindsets that I was operating at when I was married. But then all of a sudden you're divorced and you're single again and you sit there and think, why am I working so hard every day? Do I really need to work this overtime? Do I really need to take on this bonus assignment at work? You know, what about accomplishments in life? They just... They don't seem to mean as much. You go on vacation and you don't have somebody to share it with. And that seems kind of down. Yeah, you can enjoy them. And and I've enjoyed some vacations and some opportunities since I've been single. Um, But I will say, like, experiencing some of these things, whether it's work or stuff in the church or going on vacation or things that I want to accomplish with my career and all that sort of stuff, you know all that has kind of shifted in me because before I was highly motivated as this is who I was as a husband. Now that I'm not a husband anymore, part of me is like, why am I working so hard? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Do I want to continue to do this? Do I want to pursue these efforts? Do I really want to go on vacation by myself? You know, and I've had to think about those things. I've had to wrestle with those things. Can I find joy in these things? You know, apart from being married, and it's been a real struggle it's been a real wrestling, and it's something that I've had to really work at and it's taken some time, but I definitely feel I finally have gotten to the place where in my life with with whatever I do, that I'm doing it with a new sense of purpose and what I'm working towards in my future. Yes, there are things I do because well, these bills have to be paid and I have this strange addiction to food, clothing, and shelter that I just, you know, can't seem to shake. And so, you know, I need to do some things just to make sure I don't die. Um, but, uh, you know, it'd be very easy to live there and to sit there and dwell in that sense of, of uh, you know, kind of this sort of feeling about a sense of purpose. And just to almost go through this monotonous routine of life day in day out without that sense of purpose um and it's a challenge to find it again and it can be depressing to wrestle with it definitely is but I think I've discovered that you know in searching through my heart and looking at things, and trying new things, and experiencing new things, and connecting with new people, and putting myself back out there, and and doing things that are hard, doing things that aren't easy, doing things sometimes just by myself, uh, when I'd really like to have somebody to do them with, um, I've discovered that I'm slowly finding new purpose in my life. And yeah, Going to the movies and eating at a restaurant by yourself may not be something you're just just deciding you want to rush out and do. Um, but, you know, you start weighing those things. And you start sitting there and saying, what do I like? And why am I doing what I'm doing? And I think if you give it time, and it's not easy to do at it first. It's really hard. But if you give it time, you will... Find new purpose. And yes, all purpose ultimately is, is uh, you know, hinged on the entire idea that whatever we do, we do to the glory of God. You know, that's the first and foremost reason of man, right? To to glorify God and find pleasure in him forevermore. You know, yeah. And that's a nice theological answer. You know, I'm sure the Westminster Catechism people knew what they were talking about <laughs> to 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 glorify God and to, to be satisfied in him and him alone, you know. That sounds good, but it doesn't preach so well to a lonely heart. It doesn't preach so well to a heart that's, you know, feeling like it's missing out. A heart that feels, you know, detached from a sense of purpose and, and finding new meaning. And so as much as I like those Westminster type statements of faith and catechism type things. Uh, that the sole purpose of man is to glorify God and stuff like that. It's kind of like, yeah, but what else? <laughs> and I think we have to be honest that there's always going to be the what else. Because if you're just saying, oh, I'm just going to do it for the glory of God and the glory of God alone, that's that's very challenging. Uh, because let's just be real. We we don't just do everything for, for the glory of God and alone. That's not to say we don't do it all for the glory of God, but Not alone. Can I be real about that? Even the most individual who wants to glorify God most in the deep depths of their heart, you know, at the end of the day, they still want to enjoy life, right? They still want to enjoy life, and to find a sense of purpose and meaning and those sort of things. So even with all those great theological considerations aside, you know, we still want what we want in our hearts Um, and our hearts have a difficult time finding those new things sometimes but you know I believe it's ultimately worth the effort and if you just keep digging and you just keep trying you just keep exploring you'll find some things that light a fire in you and those things will help motivate you and provide you a sense of direction and purpose for all of your days So another challenge. The odd man out. Let's just be real. If you're in your 40s and you were divor and you were married before, chances are most of your friends probably married, probably have kids. If you don't have kids, most of your friends probably do. And while you might have some single friends, and you know, I have some single friends, when I take inventory of my friend group, the vast majority of them are married and married with kids. And while this can be a good thing, because all of a sudden, as a single person, uh, you're going to find, I think, especially as a guy, that uh, all your guy friends are uh, looking at an opportunity for escape. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, my friends, they love their wives, they love their kids. Um, But I've noticed how many uh, of my married friends have suddenly become best friends um, as I have become something of an outlet for all things social uh, in regard to their life. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, with that said, it does kind of put you in an awkward place because, you know, at the end of the day, married people still with kids still tend to primarily hang out with other married people with kids. And so sometimes that makes you uh, feel like you might be kind of the odd man out. And you will recognize that, especially, I think, you know, you start hanging around your friends like I have for the past year and a half. And and I've noticed, even though I've hung out with a number of my friends many, many, many times over the past year and a half since becoming single, um, that I don't see their wives and their children nearly as much as I used to when I was married. And I guess that's just kind of how things happen. That's that's how our society is, like attracts like and whether you, you know, whether you're happy with this social arrangement that married people with kids hang out with other married people with kids, um that whether you're happy with it or not, that's just how things are. That's how the cookie crumbles at the end of the day. Um and you know, I will say this makes you kind of feel like the odd man out. And it makes you feel a little bit lonely. Uh, Sometimes it gives me a sense in which, you know, when Adam was first created, he was created alone and single, by the way. Um, But when Adam was created, he looked around and he noticed all the birds and the, the bees and everything, and he noticed that they all had mates. And he looked around and said, hey, where's mine? And, uh... So there's a very real sense I think that you know when you're hanging out with your married friends um and you start feeling like maybe you're the odd man out or you don't get it you might hang out with your your married guy friends by themselves um but you know when it comes to uh couples' nights and stuff like that, you suddenly find yourself not involved in those sort of things so whereas before you and your your wife or your spouse would have gone out with your friend and their spouse, you know, you're no longer doing that. And don't get me wrong, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to hang out with my friend's wives. (laughs) They're wonderful people. There's nothing, you know, funny about it, going on about any of that. I'm not trying to, you know, get in on anything there weird. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, there is this sense all of a sudden in which you look around and you say, hey, They all have mates, and you don't. And that does bring a sense of loneliness. That does bring a sense of uh, missing out. And I don't know that there's too much, at least, that I've discovered that you can do about that, other than I have had some friends invite me over uh, to hang out with them you know, my, one of my friends has invited me to hang over with his wife and his kids, and, and that's been fun, and I've had good times doing that, um, but it's, it's been increasingly rare that I see their wives or their kids, and it just kind of reinforces this sense of, uh, Jimmy doesn't have anybody, and it kind of makes you feel like the odd man out in that way, um... So, and I don't say that at any slight to my friends whatsoever. They're wonderful people. I love them dearly. Uh, And I don't think they're trying to do anything to make me feel left out or anything. And I'm not asking them all of a sudden to say, hey, if you've listened to this podcast, invite me to have dinner with you and your wife and your kids. Uh, Although that would be nice if maybe that happened a little more. But uh, I'm not actively looking for that for in case anybody thinks I am. Um, But it does occasionally sit there and make you think, you know, like, hey, like I have Kind of been left out, and I feel a little alone. And you know, I don't know that there's much you can do about that, other than to recognize the situation and to be aware of the social dynamics at play, um, and to uh, ultimately just embrace it for what it is. It may be hard, and it may sometimes have moments of social awkwardness, but that's okay. Just continue to focus on you finding your new purpose, and realizing you aren't defective. So my next point, probably one that a lot of people I know probably tuned in to listen to on this podcast. People definitely brought it up when I was fishing for ideas associated with this podcast. Uh, Let's talk about dating. So I've decided I'm going to do a separate podcast about this next week. To talk more about dating specifically and maybe even share some fantastically horrible stories (laughs) about dating, Um, I might mention them here. I'm not sure 100% yet. Uh, I'm kind of speaking off the cuff today. I'm not as scripted today as I normally am. But let me just say, dating at 40 and being single again, it's weird, man. It's really, really weird. Dating isn't what it used to be, folks. And I think that's because there's been some shifts, not only in you know my life, and I'm at a different stage at life. I'm 40 years old. Uh, I'm older than when I was in my 20s and actively dating. Um, and things are different. I have I have baggage. I have a very different personality than I had in my 20s. Although many things about me are still very much my personality from when I'm in my 20s, but I'm still. in very, in another sense, a very different person than I was in my 20s. Um, I'm very much more me in a way that I was not in my 20s for good and for bad. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, so there's not only been a time change as far as age and changed me as a person, but I think there's been a definite cultural shift in the world of dating that you know, dating in 2022 is just not the same as it was dating in the early 2000s and and early 2010s. It's different. And I think a lot of that is because the culture has changed. But not only has the culture changed, the culture has changed, I think, because of its connection, ultimately, to technology. Let's just be real. Most people these days, when they date, I'm not saying people don't meet the old-fashioned way, you know, whether that's... At a church or at college or at a bar or, or whatever. Those things still go on. But more and more in our society are people meeting their significant other through dating apps. And I will say, I met my ex-wife through eHarmony. So I know a thing or two about dating and using dating apps. Not only recently, but way back when. Um, I will say when I was doing online dating... Uh, in the mid, late, early 2000s, like 2005 through 2011, you know, the technology existed for dating apps, and I used it some. I didn't use it a lot. I met some people the old-fashioned way um, that I dated, but I also was starting to dabble in uh, online dating apps because at the time, I was traveling a lot for work, and since I couldn't be home on a regular basis to meet people. Uh, I had turned to dating apps so that I could hopefully meet people um, back at home while I was traveling abroad and maybe have some dates lined up for when I got back in town. And that was kind of the plan. Um, But I will say, when I was doing online dating back then, it was still kind of fringe. Like, now it's extremely prevalent and you just assume somebody's going out on a date, a first date, that they probably met somebody that they're dating through a dating app. Um, But uh, when I was doing it It was kind of like <laughs> I hope she's not a serial killer <laughs> And uh, I'm sure the girls Were thinking the same way And they probably still do think that some um, But it was definitely fringe It was definitely cult like And it was definitely one of those things That you know I had another friend Who met one of their spouses Through Match.com And instead of telling everybody When they got married About ten years ago That they met their spouse Through Match.com they just said, oh, we met at the French pastry coffee shop. Because they didn't want people to know and they were embarrassed that they socially met each other at uh, on an online dating website. Uh, now let's just assume that everybody's meeting on an online dating website and people don't have to lie about it anymore. Um, <laughs> and it's not nearly as freaky, whereas back then it was still kind of like, ooh, like, did you pick them off Craigslist? Um, <laughs> for when that was a thing and they're just a, I say this to my shame, but there were Craigslist dating apps uh, type things. So anyway, um, (laughs) you didn't need to know that about me probably, but uh, I digress. But anyway, um, you know, so there were all these dating websites back then, but they were extremely fringe. There weren't a lot of people on them. And I will say, when you went on dates, at least it was my experience in my 20s that when I went on dates online, um, that they were much more pleasant overall. Um, they, they, the, the people generally were the people they represented in their photos. The people didn't get all fancy with all sorts of filters and fake photos and stuff like that, like they do today. Um, and the people you met, uh, they were as weird as you (laughs) because I mean, you, you had to be a certain sort of weird to be online dating back then. Right. Um, but you know, when I went online dates back then, it was something that I seldom got stood up. I seldom got ghosted. Um, and Nine times out of ten, I had two or more dates with whoever I went on a date with. Uh, I think I usually went on at least three dates with just about everybody um, that I went on dates and back then. But today, man, dating's weird. Dating's weird. Uh, Today, it's kind of just this meat locker uh, sort of thing where you just... uh, dial a date and pick one up and you swipe left or you swipe right on the app to decide whether you're going to accept them or reject them swiping right is accepting them by the way you see maybe a hundred or two hundred photos and uh, you try matching with with those people and maybe about five percent of the people you match with match with you back um, and then half the people you match with don't even talk to you for whatever reason um, and then the half that you do talk to, uh, some of them end up just fizzling out, or, uh, you decide there's nothing there, or maybe you go on an actual date, um, but I will say, it's a high volume sort of numbers game now, um, because you can get on some apps, and they're just lots and lots of people, and you can Especially I hear for women, I can't speak from the perspective of women, but I've definitely heard from some women in the research I've done on this particular topic. And women are practically spoiled for choice. They log into their dating app and they're flooded, flooded with a hundred different guys fawning after them. And uh, most guys have the complete opposite experience. Um, I will say that my experience has uh, been kind of mixed um, I've had some. I've I, I will say I've been told that uh, the number of dates I've been on this past year has been extremely high. Uh, I've been on at least I don't know fifteen. I've been out with at least fifteen different women and talked to, you know, at least a dozen or more beyond those fifteen um, for some period of time that you know either through texting or phone or whatever. It just didn't work out. It didn't progress to the next stage of dating. Um, but I feel like I've had some moderate level of success. Uh, my therapist personally has told me that of all his clients I've been on more dates than any of his other clients. and he has uh, primarily male clients going through my situation that I've gone through. And talking to the couple single friends that I have, um, I'm definitely uh, I've got a high number of dates that in, in comparison, um, which, You know, makes me feel good at some level. Um, But you know, at the same time, it's like you go on a dozen plus dates with a bunch of women and I went on some of these dates and some of them were just okay. They're just like, okay, there's no connection here. We don't need to see each other again. Um, Some of them are really bad. Some of them are really bad. (laughs) Some of them are really, really bad. (laughs) I'm going to save the stories for next week. Um, but uh, let's just say that uh there's some dates that were so bad that the only good thing about them I got out of them was some some stories. <laughs> some very interesting, sad, and awful stories. But of the, you know, of the... I say all this, though, like, I'm not trying to brag. 15 dates or whatever it is, you know... Like, somebody's like, oh, man, you're bragging. That sounds like a lot, or whatever. Maybe some of you, like, do a lot number, higher number. And you're like, huh, only 15? But, uh, you know, it kind of makes me feel like the MVP of the minor leagues, if I can say. Uh, like, oh, wow, like, you spent a lot of time in the minor leagues. You were the best minor league player out there. But, you know, nobody wants to become the MVP of the minor leagues at the end of the day, right? Like, everybody wants to go to the big leagues, and the big leagues being marriage in this analogy. Um, so... You know, I've been on about a little over a dozen dates, uh, about 15 different women, I think. is. Uh, I stopped counting, but it's, it's roughly that. Lots of first dates, I will say, uh, which is a complete contrast to um, when I was in my 20s where I, it was very common for me to go on two or three dates. Um, and whereas in my 20s, I think I officially only got stood up once. I've been stood up several times in this period of this past year. Uh, And I've been ghosted more times than I care to count. Um, And that's getting really old and really quick. And it makes you feel jaded about the entire thing. And if it wasn't to make matters worse, um, you know, of the, I don't know, 15 women, I guess, I've been on a date with. I've only had a couple second dates. uh, One third date. And, uh, you know, I've had opportunity to, you know, connect with a lot of different women, with a lot of different backgrounds, with a lot of different baggage, uh, with a lot of different different wonderful things about them, and, you know, everything in between. Um, and I've gone on these 15 dates, and I still haven't been in a relationship. Which kind of stinks, because my understanding is that's actually, like, kind of common these days for... If you, even if you go on a dozen dates, like I, I, have a, I have a married friend who was, uh, joking that at one point he thought, uh, online dating, uh, was, uh, simply a, uh, a substitute for a nonprofit organization that existed to, uh, feed women dinner. <laughs> uh, cause he was like, you know, I must've fed half the women in Charlotte at one point. <laughs> uh, I haven't got there yet, Mark. Um, but, uh, you know, all that dating, no relationship, um, you know, kind of got close to one person and things didn't work out like I wanted to. Lovely lovely woman. Um, but uh you know, that's just how it's all happened. And I will say, you know, it's difficult and it's different. And you know, dating is weird. But whatever it comes to dating, and right now I'm taking a pause on on dating. I've, I've decided to kind of step away from it for a little while just so I can focus on me. But I, I've heard this great quote uh, that's been uh, kind of lauded in some of the uh, dating advice circle stuff that I've read and listened to on YouTube. There's this one individual, this one guy, this one dating coach who says about dating today, he's like, you know, Don't get in a relationship just to get in a relationship. Don't don't just, you know, date somebody to avoid being lonely. His point is, chase excellence, not women. And I think that's an awesome quote. Chase excellence, not women. Whoever you get in a relationship at the end of the day with, should you do online dating and should you choose to say, hey, I want to get in a relationship, should I want to pursue marriage again, you know, Make sure that when you date, you date with purpose and that whoever you ultimately decide to end up with should be somebody who would be an excellent complement to your life and something worth giving up your single status for. So don't just date anybody. Truly focus on yourself, chasing excellence, and it, while, you're, while you're dating, you know, don't just settle for anybody. Have some standards, have some morals, have some class. You know, know your self-worth and know what you're worth and knowing that you're not just going to give up what you're worth to somebody just because they'll give you attention and maybe a kiss at the end of the night. Chase excellence, my brothers, and not women. And unless you're Tom Brady, then you already are excellent. <laughs> And now Tom's free to chase women if he wants. Uh, anyway, I can't, I can't. Uh, next. This is gonna be a this is a long podcast today. So, but I'm 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 getting it all out there. Hopefully, you're enjoying this. Uh, hopefully, I'm keeping it interesting. Um, but uh, these are some things I just thought I would share today. So let's keep going. Next, but these these next points, by the way, will be quicker. So I'm going to wind down here. I, I'm I'm gonna, I'm not going to take all your time. It's going to be a little over an hour in today's podcast. Uh, but uh, I will take up a few more minutes. So next, don't always fill your calendar up. There's always going to be this temptation when you're single to constantly fill up your calendar. And when you look at your calendar and find that it's empty, you're going to be like, oh, I need to fill it up with something else. (coughs) Don't do that. Don't just fill up your calendar with distractions to be filled up with distractions, and don't just fill it up with people just so you can have people. Because at the end of the day, I think if you're going to do this single thing well, if you're going to be a, ha- a healthy, happy, well-adjusted individual who has their life together, sort of person, what when you're single again at forty, or whether you're single again, or whether you're single still for the first time at forty, you know, embrace times of being alone, and don't just necessarily think, oh, I'm just going to stay in and watch TV and doom scroll on Facebook. Embrace moments of silence, and that can be difficult to do, and it's something I have struggled with in this past year and a half, but it is something I have deliberately practiced, and some people might sit there and think, oh, Jimmy, you're one of the most extroverted people in the world that I know. You're always doing something. I see you on Facebook. I hang out with you half the time. You know, you're always feeding people, you're always hanging out with people, you're always going to get coffee with people, you're always doing this, that, and the other. Something's always going on in Jimmy's life. And there's some truth to that. I can fill up my calendar quick, and I'm not going to lie, I fill it up often. But you know, I also sit there and think, no, for the next three or four five days, I'm just going to stay at home. Because, personally speaking, Even though a lot of people think I'm an extrovert, I am truly an introvert at heart. I do need a long time of being by myself to recharge fully so that I can be this extroverted-looking individual that everybody sees in public um, who's out there living life big and having fun and being social. Um, But, you know, all that energy that I get to do that stuff, that comes from sometimes just laying on my couch and staring at the ceiling for a while or laying on my couch and meditating and praying, spending time with Jesus. But even when I don't feel like sometimes just spending quiet time with Jesus, sometimes I just embrace the silence and spend some quiet time by myself. That's not to say the Lord's not present. He most certainly is. He's always present. But you know, if you're going to be fully human... And to have a full human experience. It's not easy. That can be hard. But you need to embrace quiet times. Days of isolation. Days of simply being away from other people. So that you can know what it's like to be alone. And to be your own company. And to know who you are as a person. To think about the things you want out of life. And so that you can pursue those things. Because sometimes if you, if you don't take moments like that, then you'll just waste your life away filling up your calendar with appointments that are empty and meaningless to you. But by embracing the silence, by embracing quiet moments, by blocking out time just for you and yourself and you and Jesus, you make opportunity in your life to truly find those things that matter to you. Because after you realize, hell, man, I've not hugged anybody in a while, you know, that that gets to you, and it, but it motivates you. It motivates you to say, I'm going to be the type of person that other people want to shake their hand, to hug, to spend time with, to break a meal together with, to have drinks with, to go to carowinds together with, to go to... Concerts together with, to do activities in church with. To play a sport with. Or whatever it is you do. But you're not going to get there unless you deliberately take moments of silence. To embrace the silence, to embrace the solitude, to embrace being alone. So that you can embrace the opportunity to be fully human. So don't fill your calendar up with everything. Schedule some time just for you don't be afraid to be alone. So next point. Another thing that's challenging with being single that you may not be fully ready for, the day-to-day challenges of just being alive. There's simply a lot of practical day-to-day challenges you're going to face now on your own that you didn't fully face on your own before. That's not to say you weren't helping around the house before. I was certainly helping around the house in my prior role as a husband. But you know what? Now the entire responsibility for all the errands and all the chores, all the cooking, all the cleaning, all the laundry, and getting my car fixed and paying the bills and home maintenance and picking something quick up at the store, all those burdens fall on me now. And that's not always easy to manage. And sometimes I'm just like, oh man. It'd be nice to have a marriage of convenience just so I can have somebody to pick up the laundry on their way home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know? Or oh man, if, if, if you're married and somebody's out, you can just say, hey, while you're on your way home, can you just run by the store and pick up a can of, you know, for dinner tonight? And that, that'd be great. <laughs> Oh, those are those are some of the things that definitely take some getting used to. I know for me, you know, doing laundry has definitely been a big challenge, especially since you know my ex and I we we did not split laundry duties. She insisted on doing all the all the laundry. Not only one because she really liked it, but two because she wasn't ever happy with how I did it. Because I have the opinion that you can put all the color clothes in at the same time. The other person in my house didn't share that opinion. (laughs) And you may share different opinions on that. But hey, that's my approach to laundry. If it's all color clothes, red, blue, green, purple, yellow, it can all go in at the same time. And it doesn't matter if it's jeans or a sweatshirt or a, a, a fun t-shirt, it can all go in at the same time, because we're talking about efficiency here, right? <laughs> That's how I do the laundry, please don't judge me. But, uh, yeah, as as somebody who's single again, you're going to be hit with the reality that there are some things that uh, you had kind of got used to in a relationship, in a marriage, that uh, you... You really realized that you had a sense of dependence on your partner for, and that was great. That's how, that's how that marriage works. You know, that's that's what couples do. Some sometimes people take on the entire responsibility of certain tasks within the household, and because that's that person's strength, and the other person's a little weak in that area or whatever. You know, however you delegate the household duties and the responsibilities of life and taking care of business. You know, at the end of the day, um, that's what you do as a couple, right? It's part of life. Well, guess what? Now you get to do that all by your lonesome. And I don't say that to be depressing, although it certainly is at times. But that's just going to be one of the challenges you face. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're still listening to this podcast an hour in. I hope you are. You know, maybe you're not single, maybe you're a married person, maybe you can sit there and think, hey, how can I bless a single person? Because I will say, uh, sometimes accomplishing some of those tasks by yourself is not easy, Um, especially when it comes to things like getting the car fixed. Like all of a sudden, you know, it used to be that if I had to get the car fixed, that, uh, you know, I could just go take it, get dropped off, and my you know spouse would pick me up and bring me back home, and I'd wait for the car to be fixed, and then she'd take me back, and that would be that. But now I have to do things like order an Uber. Um, Or sometimes I have to get things through DoorDash. Or, you know, there's a host of other services that I now employ, sometimes at expense, um, that I didn't have to use before simply because it's just me. And unless I want to run around town trying to do everything all day, every day, um, you know, sometimes you have to farm those services out when they're within your ability to afford um, And some of those are in my ability to afford So sometimes I, you know, do things like get DoorDash to get my pizza Or uh, get an Uber to give me a lift if, in case I need a lift. Um, but uh, those are just some of the challenges And it's just, unfortunately, it's just the reality of life And there's nothing you can do about it except, well Except maybe get married again. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's that's just... Those are the challenges. That's the nitty-gritty in life. And it all falls on you now. So, uh, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. And uh, get, get prepared to work in the day-to-day challenges of life. Next, there's the issue of increased risk exposure. And this is something you might have not thought about. And this is something that I kind of learned through the hard way. Um... For myself, when you're on your own and you're single again, you're exposed to a great amount of risk. You all of a sudden are the sole source of income in your household. No longer are you going to be a two-income household, if that's what you were before. And if, you're, if you become a two-income household again, it's only because you have a second job. Or you run into issues of when you get sick. How do you take care of yourself? You know, I know uh, a couple years ago, I talked about it on this podcast before, I I broke a leg, and uh, I broke a leg serving Jesus in youth ministry. <laughs> uh, long story, but I'll spare you the details. But I, I broke my leg in youth ministry um, at the church, and a couple weeks later, as a result of issues regarding the broken leg, I ended up with a blood clot in my lung. And I ended up in the hospital for five days. And then I came home. And I still had to deal with the pains of working through a blood clot that was in my lungs and nearly dying. And I still had to focus on recovering from a broken leg. And I had to do that in a two and a half story house that I lived in. With only a half bathroom on the first floor. Which presented problems because the way my leg was broken... It made it impossible for me to get up the stairs, uh, which means I was highly dependent on taking care of myself on the first floor. And by taking care of myself on the first floor, I mean having a spouse and uh, help from my parents and some church people to take care of me. So when you're sick on your own, you know, all of a sudden something like that happens, Looking back at my life, I don't know what I would have done if I would have broken my leg uh, and had a pulmonary embolism in my lung um, with a blood clot. Uh, I don't know what I would have done if I would have been on my own. That would have been a very challenging circumstance. I, I don't know how I would have handled it, to tell you the truth. S- especially since I was in a lot of pain and I wasn't very mobile. Um, and I needed people to help me, take care of me. Um, and, and I realized that in the past couple months, uh, I've been sick twice in the past couple months. Back in May, I went on a cruise and while I was on my cruise, I picked up COVID and I was deliriously, I had a deliriously high fever for two days in a row. I had 103 plus fever. I eventually drove myself to the hospital, uh, to the emergency room to receive care and they took care of me and I got better. But I still had to end up being the one to do all that. I had to take care of myself. And this past week, I came down with bronchitis. And again, I had to take care of myself. Um, So that that in itself is risky. Like taking care of yourself on medical-related issues is not an easy thing. So not only am I the sole source of income in my household, but I'm the sole one who can take care of me. Something goes wrong, it has the potential, the real potential, to be devastating to my health and well-being. Um, so that's something you have to consider. That when when you move somewhere or where you go some someplace, like when I went traveling, um, you know, going out of town on my own, being by myself, traveling by myself, like These are real risk, and we might not think of them as being risk, especially when you're married, but when you're single, all of a sudden, all the things that you do by yourself become inherently, have a certain layer of risk associated with them, Um, and it's something that you have to stop and factor in every time you consider doing something at some level, May and don't get me wrong, you don't need to be paranoid about it, like... You don't need to have a mental health crisis over this or anything like that. Um, but I will say, like, uh, I, I talked about in a prior podcast how I'm trying to play hockey again. and I've been working out. I've been going to the gym. I've been ice skating. Well, you know, playing hockey, ice skating, going to the gym, lifting heavy weights above my head, those are physically risky activities. And, you know, if something were to happen to me in the, the course of engaging in these activities and I got hurt, and be left in a tricky situation of again caring for myself and and currently like live in a townhouse in which there's you know a half bathroom on the first floor <laughs> and uh, I have a basement and my master bath is on the second floor, so you know, what would I do if I were put in a situation like that again if I broke? A leg or something like that. And, and I can hear my mom in the background right now. She's listening to this podcast saying, Jimmy, I've told you so. Like <laughs> I've warned you, don't do it. You could get hurt. <laughs> but you know, it's something I've had to consider. Like it's, it's recognizing that there is a layer of risk associated with these activities and, and all of life has inherent risk, of course. And I'm no special for that, for being single. But when you're single, There is a certain level of risk that you're exposed to at a greater level than perhaps when you were married. So if you're single again, all I would say is exercise reasonable prudence and caution. Consider activities that you're doing by yourself and their possible ramifications. Consider what the possible worst case scenario outcome could be. The likelihood of that, Because just because you can think it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. Um, so just don't think, well, worst case scenario is going to happen because I've dreamed it because chances are most of the things you worry about will never happen anyway, right? Um, but, uh, you know, consider the risk and ultimately weigh the reward. Say, is the risk associated with this activity that I might be engaging in, um, whether it's you know, physically related, financially related, or travel related, or whatever different way you may be exposing yourself to risk, at the end of the day, sit there and think, is this risk worth the reward? And what can I do? What practical steps can I take to mitigate that risk? And if the worst case scenario does happen, just at least war game it in your head, just like they do with nuclear war in the army, Just imagine, well, what would be the response? What would I do? What would happen? And at least have some sort of loose plan in your head so that if the worst case scenario does happen, you can have at least thought about what your possible next steps may be so that you're not crippled and paralyzed in fear. And finally, my friends, a final point and thing to consider about challenges, about being single again, especially going into this holiday season. Decorating for one person? What's that about? Somebody asked me about that uh, when in prep for this podcast. And, you know, decorating for the holidays becomes a tricky thing. It's ultimately up to you to entirely do it. Not only do you have to drag everything out of the garage or attic by yourself, you also have to put it up, and you have to do the fun thing and take it all down. <laughs> Suckers. <laughs> uh, but, not only that, <laughs> you're also going to find yourself in a situation that perhaps nobody else is going to be able to enjoy the decorations that you've put up. Or a very minimal number of people may enjoy it. You may have a couple of friends over. You may even have a small little get together at your house or maybe even a party. And some people may be able to enjoy those decorations you worked hard putting up for an hour, two hours, or three hours. But guess what? You probably spent the better part of half a day or a full day decorating if you're going to do things like decorate for Halloween or Christmas or or Thanksgiving. Um, So there's the temptation as a result to sit there and say, ah, I'm not going to do any of that and just be so ho-hum about the holidays. But you know, well, that's definitely an option for you. And if you choose to exercise that option, I totally understand. But I think during these holiday seasons, if we want to live our lives well in our single status, we need to do everything that we can to fully embrace the holiday season. Instead of allowing the holiday season to be a season in which we feel pain and loneliness, and we may feel pain and loneliness. I think we should go ahead and go gung-ho with things to the best of our ability. Yeah, you may not be able to go full Griswold on your house and put up Christmas tree lights like Clark Griswold did in Christmas Vacation. (laughs) Uh, But uh, you may not go to that extreme. But you know, put up a tree. Put some candles in your window. Put up a wreath. You know, buy a little pre-made nativity set type thing to put out. You know, maybe bake yourself some cookies if that's your thing. But whatever you do, decorate and decorate for yourself and decorate to make you happy. Decorate and do the things that make you happy and bring you joy. Do it ultimately for yourself because it's something that you delight in. And yeah, have friends over. Have family over. Have a little party. I've, I, I will say last year for, for Christmas for myself, uh, I went ahead and I put up a tree. And I put a wreath on the door. And I put up some colored lights throughout my townhouse. And then one Saturday I had a big party called Jimmy's Christmas Brisket Extravaganza. And I invited 20 people over to come eat some delicious brisket that I smoked. And I had a party with all sorts of food and drinks and beverages and side items and, 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 and people, people everywhere. Uh, I didn't think I could fit that many people into that size of that townhouse, but I did. And it was a joyous occasion. It's an occasion that I enjoyed. And it's an occasion that I plan on repeating again. And even though this Christmas I'll probably be at my parents' for Christmas. uh, And I won't be home to enjoy my Christmas tree on Christmas morning like I did last year. In which my parents came down for Christmas at my place. Um, This year I'm probably going there. But even if I don't, you know, I'm going to put up all that stuff. And I'm going to enjoy it for me. Because at the end of the day, on being single again at 40, being single again at 40 means you get to embrace you and all that you are. And you get to learn to delight in new things and to have new opportunities, new experiences, new surprises, and new joys. And while the holidays can be hard, And I understand. I understand. I understand what it's like to put up a Christmas tree by yourself and not necessarily have the best feeling in the world about it. It wasn't easy last year when I did that. But you know, I did it for me. And it was glorious. And I'm glad that I did it. And I'm going to do it again this year. So everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, episode 171 on being single again at 40. Hope I've given you a lot to think about. I definitely, longest podcast I've had in a while. (laughs) I hope you stuck around and you enjoyed it. If you have and you have some conversation you'd like to engage in, email me, jimmy table.com. If you haven't had the opportunity to subscribe to this podcast yet, go to jimmy's slash subscribe and find your favorite way to subscribe, whether that's through Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or even old-fashioned email newsletter. And if you haven't had a chance to leave a glowing five-star review about how awesome the Table.com podcast is, I encourage you to go to places that you can do that, such as Apple and Spotify. So, everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, Jimmy's Table.com, where I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. Take care, everybody. God bless, and have a good one. That's all I have to say about that. That's the right on, man. You said it all.